listening and reading in Chinese can be a challenge, especially when your level is not high enough. To understand more and thereby also learn more, use scaffolding. Hello and welcome to the Hacking Chinese podcast. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about making listening and reading easier by using scaffolding. The idea behind scaffolding is to erect supporting structures to allow you to perform at a more advanced level than normal, then gradually remove these structures until you learn to manage without them. A very simple example would be to read a text in Chinese with the aid of a dictionary. This allows you to read text that would otherwise be too difficult without any type of supporting structure. And as you keep reading text on a similar level, you will need to use the dictionary less and less until one day you can read this type of text without the aid of a dictionary. The scaffolding has been removed and your Chinese has improved. So in this week's episode, I want to talk about eight great ways to scaffold your Chinese learning, and this is mainly then about listening and reading practice. And like most episodes on the podcast, this episode also takes the perspective of the student. But when it comes to scaffolding, teachers are uniquely well placed to provide this scaffolding if they also know their students. However, I don't assume that you have a private tutor or that you are a teacher yourself, so we're going to focus on what you can do as a student. As an example of what I can do as a teacher, I can find different ways of supporting students' understanding, either when listening or reading, because I know very well what they know, and then I can provide various kinds of supportive structures. So in episode seventy-eight, I talked about how I use text adventure games in my classroom, and here scaffolding might be things like drawing a map to allow students to understand the spatial relationships between things that they are experiencing in the game. It could mean drawing a simple picture to illustrate a scene or a location, or it could even mean using simple props to show what something means instead of just translating it to Swedish or English. As mentioned, this is rather easy to do as a teacher because I know what the Chinese they are reading or listening to means. I have the comprehension, and I also know what they don't know, which means I can focus on that. But if you are the student here, you cannot draw a picture to help yourself understand because that requires you to first understand the language, and you can't draw a map or at least not an accurate one before you have understood the spatial relationships. So that's what I mean when I say that teachers have a unique role here to provide. Different kinds of supporting scaffolding then for comprehension, both when listening and reading. But that's not what I'm going to talk about in this episode. I am going to focus on things you can do yourself as an independent student. Before we dive into different ways of scaffolding your Chinese reading and listening practice, I want to preface that discussion with a reminder that scaffolding is not always the best option. Scaffolding is about adding support that allows you to deal with tasks that you could otherwise not perform. That sounds very useful, and it is, but that doesn't mean you should focus on difficult Chinese listening and reading and then scaffold it so that you can understand. A much better option in most cases is just to pick listening and reading material that you don't need to scaffold or that you don't need to scaffold as much. This is especially true when the scaffolding itself takes a lot of time or energy to use, such as when using a dictionary to look up unknown words, or when you need to look up grammar in a reference book, or something like that. These take focus away from the reading and the listening you're meant to be doing, and while you're using such a resource, you are not actually reading and listening. And so, if you do that too much, you will not learn as much as you could have. 
So while a beginner could, in theory, read an authentic newspaper article in Chinese with the aid of a pop-up dictionary and some grammar reference, this is not a good idea because you will end up using most of your time and energy looking things up and not actually reading. To add insult to injury, even if you were to finish such an article, you would have still read a very low number of characters in total. Maybe you've only seen all the words you've looked up once. Some of them maybe twice or three times if they are important in the article, but nowhere near enough to actually learn how to use them. But if you spent all that time reading something much easier, you would have seen these words over and over, and you would have started building an idea of how they are used in the language in general, not just in the text that you have seen. Naturally, if you focus on easier texts, you might have been able to read ten times as many characters compared to the difficult text because you didn't need to waste all that time looking things up, trying to figure out what things mean. Essentially, and as I've said many times before on the podcast, if reading or listening feels like deciphering some kind of code, you're doing it wrong. It means that the learning resources you're using are too difficult for you. Scaffolding can be used to make sense of most things in Chinese, but it's only recommended to use it if you really want to or if you have to. For example, if you are a beginner and started learning Chinese last week, it will be difficult to find resources that you can use without heavy use of scaffolding because you haven't learned much, and then reading will feel a bit like deciphering a code. And there is very little you can do about this unless you have someone who's willing to tailor content specifically for you, such as a private tutor. But most students don't have that, and as I said before, this episode is for the independent students out there. So before you go all in with the scaffolding strategies we're going to talk about in a bit here, make sure you first really tried to find listening and reading resources at the appropriate level. If you need recommendations, regardless if you are a beginner, intermediate, or advanced student, I have two curated articles with the best free Chinese listening resources, and then another one for the best free Chinese reading resources. And I'll put links to these and other things in the description of this episode. If you are a beginner, I also suggest you check out episode sixty-eight and the associated article, where I talk specifically about beginner reading. There is also a companion episode to that one, namely episode one hundred and thirty, which is about the same thing but for listening. And these articles and episodes are not specifically about listing resources you can use, but more discussing various types of resources and how you should approach listening and reading as a beginner. That brings us to the eight great ways of scaffolding your Chinese listening and reading practice. And I will go through scaffolding listening practice first, and then we will look at reading practice. Naturally, which of these methods and strategies you prefer and which you use will depend on what your exact problem is and what the weakest link in the chain is, as it were. And that is beyond the scope of this article. But you can check out the Beyond the Timbodong series, where the whole purpose is to explain why you don't understand something so you can then fix it. So, scaffolding method number one for Chinese listening practice is to listen more than once. And this is something I have mentioned several times on the podcast recently, and more explicitly in episode one hundred and sixty-four. So I will be brief here. In general, students tend to give up rather quickly. They listen once, and then they say, "This is too hard for me." But if you don't want to do that, and if you want to learn from a material that is slightly harder, i.e., you want some kind of scaffolding, simply listening more than once, maybe twice, three times, five times, ten times, depends on how interested you are, will do wonders for comprehension. This is also extremely easy and convenient. If you're listening to recorded audio, you just hit the reply button, and you get more comprehension for free. 
This means it should usually be the first type of scaffolding that you try when you listen to unfamiliar audio in Chinese. And if you don't understand anything after listening the second time either, the material is way too difficult for you. However, if listening more than once allows you to understand gradually more of what you're listening to without using any other type of scaffolding, it means it could be at the right level, you just need to listen more. And for more arguments about why this is so beneficial, check out episode 164 about the benefits of listening more than once. Scaffolding method number two is to lower the rate of speech. And it should be obvious why this is beneficial, but if it isn't, you should check out the Beyond Timbodong series where I explain these things in much more detail. There are three basic ways of slowing down spoken language. First, we have reducing the playback speed. Then we have inserting pauses. And finally, you can just simply ask the person to speak more slowly. And obviously this only works if it's not a recording which means it's usually out of our control, so let's focus on the first two methods. To reduce playback speed, you can use in the built-in function to do this in many apps, including platforms like YouTube, but also most podcasting apps, and simply lower the speed. On YouTube, for example, you click the little cogwheel and then click change playback speed, and then you can choose whatever you want. You can also do this with any audio file in Audacity, which is a free and cross-platform program for audio editing, and it's pretty simple to use. And the effect there is called change tempo. Another way to give you more time to process spoken Mandarin is to insert pauses, or rather prolong pauses that are already there. This can be tedious to do manually, but there are plugins such as extended silences for Audacity where you can do this automatically. These ways of lowering the rate of speech will give you more time to process the Chinese that you hear and will also make it more likely that you understand, but they have otherwise rather different effects on the learning experience, but this will be a topic for an upcoming episode. Moving on to method number three for scaffolding your listening practice, and that is to use written support. I think it's safe to say that for most students of Chinese, listening presents a bigger challenge than reading does. This is partly because when you read, you can spend as much time as you want on each character, each word, and each phrase, and so on, to figure out what they mean. And it's rather convenient to look things up. You can just click on them or maybe copy them into your favorite dictionary. And these things are rather tricky to do when listening. You need to be able to identify the pinyin and maybe the characters to get a good idea of what someone actually says. For this reason, using written support can be a good idea. And this could then be subtitles for a movie, or it could be closed captions on YouTube, the lyrics of a song you like, or maybe the transcript of a podcast episode. However, it's important to keep the goal of practicing in mind here, because if you start reading a lot, maybe even before you listen, you are not actually practicing listening ability that much, so only use the written support after you have listened to fill in gaps and to make sure you understand something completely. Do not read and then listen. Naturally, the best way of obtaining a written version of the spoken Chinese you're listening to is to choose a resource that has both. While it is possible to use tools like speech-to-text to generate a written version automatically, this is naturally not as fast as just choosing a resource that has this built in from the start. Next, we have the final method for scaffolding your Chinese listening practice, and that is to visualize or illustrate the spoken language. 
This is essentially a non-linguistic version of the written support above, so you get information from something other than the spoken Mandarin, in this case visual support of some kind such as pictures, video or similar. A movie in Chinese is easier to understand than a radio play, and a news broadcast on TV is significantly easier than the same content being broadcast over, say, radio. The reason for this is of course that you can get a lot of information from the pictures, you understand the situation, you see what's going on, and this can also aid your processing of the spoken language. And this is not cheating, this is how listening works in real life, because normally when someone says something to you in Chinese, you have context, you know where you are, you know what they look like and things like that. You have in fact a lot of information about what they might say, and this aids your processing of the spoken language greatly. And so when practicing, you can also use this as a way of scaffolding your listening practice. Similar to using written support that we just talked about, the easiest way to get this type of visual support is simply to choose resources that have visual support in the first place. So a good example of this would be movies, as I mentioned, TV series, a story with illustrations, and so on. You can't rely on technological tools to generate images for the Chinese content that you are listening to, such as using an AI image generator of some kind, but as I'm recording this in early 2024, I don't think that these are good enough to give you reliable input that will help you understand what's going on. Or at least it's hard to verify that before you understand what you're listening to, and then it's kind of too late. The crux here is that the visual support needs to show the content of the spoken audio, or at least be in line with it, because otherwise having visual support is actually detrimental to your listening ability and you're better off not having any visual support at all. However, the AI tools generating images are likely to get much better very quickly, and as I said they are already quite useful for this, it's just that they are not completely reliable. So those were four ways of scaffolding your Chinese listening practice, and of course there are more ways than these four, but I picked my favorites. If you have recommendations or suggestions for other specific tools or general methods for scaffolding listening practice, please head over to Hacking Chinese and leave a comment. As mentioned before, to be able to choose the most optimal scaffolding method for you, you need to better understand the listening process, and that is something I discuss in the Beyond Timbodong series, which starts in episode 111. Moving on to the next section, where we will discuss four ways of scaffolding your Chinese reading practice. In general, I think that scaffolding reading practice is a little bit easier than listening practice, because reading in itself is more tangible, less ephemeral, and as I said, you can easily use dictionaries, which is indeed the first type of scaffolding that I recommend. And here we're talking about digital dictionaries, because using a paper dictionary takes way too much time away from the reading itself. If you haven't read it already, I recommend a guest post on Hacking Chinese written by David Moser, which is called The New Paperless Revolution in Chinese Reading, where he discusses why this is such a big deal and why learning to read Chinese these days is so much easier than it was back in the day. But that of course assumes that you are using digital tools to read, and one of these would then be pop-up dictionaries, or digital dictionaries in general. The benefits here should be quite obvious, I think. Reading a text with a dictionary compared to without a dictionary is considerably easier, which means you can reach a higher level or deal with Chinese at a higher level. 
Indeed, I think that this type of scaffolding is so powerful that some students tend to use it too much. So keep in mind that you will learn what you practice, meaning that if you always resort to a digital dictionary as soon as you encounter something you don't understand, you will not practice your ability to deal with unknown vocabulary in texts without a dictionary, of course. And that is something that is required to be able to read on a higher level. I'm not saying that you should uninstall your pop-up dictionary in your browser or phone, I'm just saying that you shouldn't use it all the time, and you should at least try without using it first. And more importantly, if you haven't used such a tool, you definitely should. The next scaffolding method for Chinese reading practice is to annotate the text. And this is essentially a variation of what I just mentioned. Instead of using a tool that will give you the information, you use another tool to provide the information beforehand. For example, you can use a tool to generate pinyin for the text that you are reading. And for recommendations for specific tools, please see the written article on Hacking Chinese. You can also use tools to generate word lists for articles that you are reading. And this is then different from using a pop-up dictionary, because while it gives you access to the information you need, it doesn't make it too easy for you. So you're then less likely to overuse it, but it's still much more convenient than having to look up each word individually in a dictionary. Next, we have scaffolding method number three, and that is to visualize the text. And that should be familiar from our discussion about scaffolding and listening practice, and it's essentially the same thing, albeit a little bit easier because you already have the text. So if you want to use some kind of tool, you don't need to first convert it into written Chinese. As was the case for visualizing spoken Chinese, the best way of doing this is to pick resources that already have images or some kind of visual support. So this could be anything from simple illustrations or pictures in an article or a story to graphical novels and comics, which of course make use of visual storytelling a lot. All this will provide you with information about what the written Chinese that comes with these pictures might mean, and this naturally makes it easier to process and easier to understand. Finally, we come to method number four for scaffolding your Chinese reading practice, and that is to listen to the written text. So essentially the reverse of using written support to understand spoken Mandarin. This then only makes sense if your listening ability is better than your reading ability, which is not normally the case for people who study Chinese as a second language, but it is rather common among heritage speakers or people who grew up speaking some Chinese but never learned the written language. Again, the best way to do this is to choose resources that already have both spoken and written Chinese, and then you can use one to support your understanding of the other. But as I've said a few times now, be mindful of what you are actually practicing. If you're listening to something and you understand everything when listening, there is no reason to read. Or if you put pinyin above all the characters and you only read the pinyin, you are never going to learn how to read characters. You can also use various text-to-speech tools and generate spoken audio from the written Chinese that you're reading. And these tools are getting very good, and as long as you input natural, normal Chinese into them, they will spit out something that sounds quite good and can definitely be used for listening practice. So those were four ways of scaffolding your Chinese reading practice, which brings us to the conclusion of this episode. To round things off then, I'd like to say that scaffolding can be very useful, but don't overdo it. I think it's important to adjust your Chinese listening and reading practice to a level that is suitable to your proficiency level, to your current state of mind, and the specific situation you're in. 
because this vastly increases the material available to you and you're much more likely to find something you are truly interested in reading or listening to. Scaffolding will also help you understand more of what you're listening and reading to and this will enable you to also learn more. Still, the most straightforward way to understand more of what you're reading and listening to is not to use fancy scaffolding, but just to choose listening and reading resources that are at an appropriate level to begin with. Don't fall into the trap of reading and listening to things that are too difficult just because you can. This is indeed possible, i.e. you can read a difficult article if you really want to with the right types of scaffolding, but this also means that you end up reading too little Chinese, you only read that article instead of reading 10 articles that were much easier, which would have benefited you much much more. So what do you think? Have you used any of the scaffolding methods that I mentioned in this episode? Do you have other ones you've used successfully and that you would like to recommend to me or other people? Or maybe you have a specific tool that can achieve some of the things I did discuss in the episode. Either way, head over to Hacking Chinese and leave a comment. Thank you for tuning in to the Hacking Chinese podcast. If you like this episode, please share it. More information and inspiration about learning and teaching Chinese can be found at hackingchinese.com. See you in the next episode, and until then, good luck with your studies!